Hey, what's up? This is Ranting with Randy. I'm Randy, and this is a podcast about COVID-19. What the fuck else is it going to be about? Actually, it's about a lot of other things, and this is the non-introduction introduction introduction to, to the podcast with Lincoln, where we talk about a lot of things. We talk about George Soros. We talk about sports. And why are we talking about Soros? Because he's trending on the Twitter. And why are we talking about sports? Because Lincoln is going to be doing a panel where he talks about baseball predominantly and if it's too soon and how that's going to work out. And then we talk about is it too soon and where do we go and what do we do and how do we deal with this transitional justice and what happens to democracy and school and socially distancing and mask shaming still and 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 just you know it's just another day in the life it's just it's just another day in the life of two people in New York City trying to figure this all out and figuring out where we go from here and how do we get there and how do we make it through maybe just today maybe it's just making it through today and then we can worry about tomorrow tomorrow uh, so we, we, we kick that. Lincoln gives all the information for his Zoom panel discussion, which is coming up on July 22nd, and you can get that at the end of the podcast. You can also DM me on the Twitter or on the Instagram, and I'll give you all the information. You can also take me out of the middleman role, middle person role, and, and directly contact Lincoln Mitchell yourself on his Instagram at Lincoln A. Mitchell or on his Twitter feed at Lincoln Mitchell or go to his website, LincolnMitchell.com. And uh, we can then get into... Uh, what we talk about the deep state and Wayfair. How could we, how could we not talk about like conspiracy theories and Wayfair and the Bilderberg Group and the Illuminati? Because it's all tied together, and I'm getting that because I am eyeball deep in the True Anon podcast, which I highly recommend. And they did not pay me to say that. I just cannot stop listening to this podcast, which is. I mean, runs amok in uh, everything from the Israeli Mossad to the Blackwater to. Uh, the Clintons to uh, it's Jelaine Maxwell and it's Jeffrey Epstein. It all stems from Jeffrey Epstein, and it it, it, it then you pull that thread and oh man, does that spool of yarn unfucking ravel like nobody's business? Unravel. It goes rolling all the way down the street, down into the rabbit hole that I clearly cannot climb out of. So now that you know that. Go subscribe to the True Anon podcast, listen to this podcast, and then go and register for Lincoln's panel discussion on um, contagions and, and sports, because why, why not? All right, with, without anything, uh, without giving anything else away, let's just get into the podcast, because it already runs over, and Lincoln is probably already upset that we are just under an hour, and we did not keep it to the 35 minutes, but then again, who can talk for only 35 minutes? Clearly me, because I still haven't shut the fuck up and let you listen to the podcast, which I'm going to do right the fuck now. Linky Dinky, welcome back to the podcast. We're going to go for like, maybe we can go for like five days in a row because Twitter is uh, is blowing yeah. up. And yeah. I know there's a lot to talk even, about. I can't even walk outside. I've not been out of my house other than to sit in my stoop in my tiny backyard since I got back on Thursday. It's okay. You, you, you know what you're missing? Me mask shaming people off of the Great Hill. Because they refused to wear masks while running, and I was very proud to uh, have the support and backing, both emotionally and physically, of um, your esteemed wife who showed up as they were leaving. Because Marta is such a formidable physical presence. For, it doesn't matter. Just to have a body Life there. Is a very ferocious animal. That supports what you do, because many people find that mask shaming people is embarrassing, and they would rather not be around me. When I do it, because I do not hold back, I don't hold my tongue, I do not hold back in the profanity. But they left, and it was two. It was a white couple, just to get started on, right. just to get started, because I'm an equal opportunity offender. Because I already had said something to another woman who happened to be black, wearing the mask on her chin, running, walking-ish around the circle, and I just said to her, "Hey, as I'm dying in my mask, gasping for air, 
after my run. I said, hey, can you at least put your mask on? We're all, like, suffering together here. She, pull, she pulled her mask up. And because I'm fair, and because I know it makes a very important point, I'm also not an idiot, that if she thought for one second that I was going to say something to her and then let these two fucking white motherfuckers run around the track without being screamed at... I made extra sure that I was extra loud and was and just was like, put your masks on, you white privileged motherfuckers who just choose to run around the track without wearing your mask. And the dude was like, socially distancing. And I said, fuck your social distance, try science. And they continued to run and I continued to scream at them. You know, there's now there's now this research that the CDC is beginning to recognize that it is actually more potent in the air than we realized initially and that I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that basically the tiny little droplets stay longer, which makes mask wearing more important. Correct, because you're talking about, which I did research, because I also do my Googling so that I'm somewhat informed. I researched aerosol versus yeah. droplets and all of the microns and everything and how long stuff hangs in the air and which direction the wind blows and what droplets are heavier and fall to the ground first and what lingers and hangs in the air. I'm okay being outside. I talked to, you know, our friend, the, the, the great doctor from Montefiore, who also says outside is better, irregardless, which is now a motherfucking word, no, thanks no, to Merriam-Webster. English language. I'm sticking with Yiddish now because <laughs> Irregardless of that, I will continue to yell at you. If you don't even make an effort to have a mask, if you even bring it out and put it on your chin and someone yells at you and mask shames you, you can then pull the mask up. These two assholes did not even have a mask, and then... They happen to leave. So another successful mask shaming. Well, You're also, very you know, welcome. I mean, the, thing about, the thing about saying I can social distance and not wear a mask is that in a, you know that might work uh, in, in some areas, but in densely populated communities, that just doesn't work because you don't know when someone's going to come up behind you. You don't know when you're going to turn a corner and see someone. Even in an outdoor space like the hill that we're talking about, it's just not it's not practical. It's, you also you know, have to get to the hill, which is also my big that's argument. What I mean. That's what I mean, like walking down the street. Yeah. Right. You didn't but, just but magically it, it, it take just, your I mean, mask off. I don't off. want to dwell on this, but it just goes to the core that when, I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the kind of interacting with an African-American person and a white person, but white people particularly, and we live in a neighborhood which is, you know, where it's stratified by, where the, where the racial and economic um, diversity interacts so that you tend to have a lot, the, the, the white people are affluent in this community. Um, and African-American Latino people, not as much, although there are certainly middle-class African-American and Latino uh, presence. There are some upper, there are some upper middle-class African-Americans right. uh, floating around right. Harlem. But, Let's not get it twisted. You, no, I know that, but also I don't live where you live. But, but, but what I'm saying is that the white people here tend to skew educated, and those are people who do have privilege, and, and part of that privilege is knowing deep in your heart that the rules don't apply, right? And just to give you one very obvious example, even 20 years ago, right, Marijuana was legal de facto on most college campuses and wasn't if you were living in those housing projects two blocks away from my house. That's just one example. But that, 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 that cultural framework essentially tells you this rule about masks, which is mildly inconvenient, doesn't apply to me. And that's a very dangerous uh, Right. But, and speaking of dangerous and not applying, do you want to dip into now, since George Soros is trending on Twitter, sure. before you get into, before we get into, like, Trump and the golfing and the, and the New Hampshire death rally that was canceled because right. he tried to blame it on the weather, let's talk about George Soros and his $200 million gift to the Open Society Foundations, which are not so open. <laughs> the Open Society Foundation is George Soros. Right. Right. I mean, I, what, what, I mean I've, 
I have, I've done a lot of work with, with OSI, the Open Society Institute, which is what's called overseas, over the years in a lot of countries, and have a lot of, and also seen their work here in the U.S. Um, it's a complicated institution because the truth is they do some very, very good work all over the world. Um, they've been, and, and they are, they tend to be on the right side. On the other hand, it is not a foundation in the way that, say, the Ford Foundation is a foundation or the Rockefeller Foundation is a foundation. As both a positive and a negative, it is much more understood as a philanthropy. It is George Soros giving away money. Um, and I have people there who I think are, by the way, very smart, very good, competent people who I really think are, are, are really among the more uh, effective and smart people working in this field um, who have told me, you know, this is years ago, that, that big decisions aren't made without running it by George, right? Whereas if you're working at the Rockefeller Foundation, well, the Rockefeller, you know, John Rockefeller is dead. And there may be a Rockefeller or two on the board, but it's not, you're not running it by a single individual. And on the one hand, that skews things. On the other hand, Soros tends to have some very good instincts. So it's okay, but it is a little different, and it does raise um, some complicated questions. On the other hand, should he not give that money? It's his money. It is his money, but what happens now? As George Soros is trending right underneath hashtag Jewish privilege, I mean, I think it, it begs the question right. with the Black Lives Matter movement— is is now who then control controls the direction of the Black yeah. Lives Matter movement if two hundred million dollars of it is coming from some from some from some people who perceive George Soros as literally like the Marxist Antifa Jew. like Jew from hell. Well, first of all. Um, <laughs> It is my view that every billionaire, and this includes George Soros, is both Is he a Bilderberg? Is he part of the Bilderberg group? If we go down that conspiracy rabbit hole? Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Um, but, but George Soros, I mean, Bernie Sanders said that every billionaire is a policy failure, and I tend to agree with that assessment, but every billionaire is also a moral failure. And, and I would rather live in a world where there are no billionaires, but we don't live in that world. Um, the what makes them a moral raise, failure? That's an interesting statement. Because I think the characteristics that put someone that much in pursuit of money they don't need do not speak to a high moral level of, and a high moral okay. balance. But, but what strikes me is that is we don't live in that world. We live in a world where there are billionaires. Um, and, and what strikes me are a couple things. First of all, no one is putting a gun to anyone's head and saying they must take this money. Right. Right. And I would say rather than single out uh, George Soros, for whom, I mean, it's an awful lot of money, um, but it's not, he's not moving to the poorhouse, right? He's still, and he's also an older man, so he's kind of getting money out of his estate because he's not going to be around that much longer. He's not a young man at all, George Soros. Right. But, but um, you know, it's, it's, it is a, a significant financial contribution, even if he doesn't feel, it's not like if I give away, I don't have $220 million. If I give away, you know, some chunk of money where I feel like, wow, now I can't go on vacation or something, like it's not going to, it doesn't have that effect on him. But I would raise a different question. Where's there, where, what are all the other billionaires doing? Rather than single out George Soros for what he is doing, let's put the pressure on Michael Bloomberg to do the same. I don't mean to sound like Donald Trump. Let's find some Gentile right. billionaires and ask them to do the same, right? No one even expects the Walton family to do this, right? The Mercers are funding a fascist takeover, right? So I think we should, if we're, if we're going to criticize George Soros, I want to criticize the other people who, don't, who aren't stepping up. Because a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement is, has been funded by very low-level donations, but also low, low level in terms of low, low amount. But also, over since 2014, there's, you know, the, the, the demonstrations around the killing of Michael Brown in Missouri, Ferguson, Missouri, were in 2014. This is now almost six years later, more or less six years later. And we see a Black Lives Matter movement that is really having an impact today than it didn't six years ago. 
and is much broader in terms of mobilizing more people. And I think those are both positives. But I suspect, part of one of my neighbors is doing construction, but I suspect <laughs> that if you went back and looked, you would see that organizations like the Open Society Institute and other progressive foundations were investing in Black Lives Matter to help them do the networking, do the uh, kind of uh, what other skill development they needed, skills that leaders needed to acquire, so they could be poised at this moment to be so effective. So I, I'm, I'm glad that someone's funding this. I think it's just I think it's just crazy how all now it's going to all tie into the Freemasons. They've already done the deep dive into Look, the financing every, and every how wannabe, every wannabe fascist and authoritarian in Europe blames George Soros for not if they don't for, for trying to stop them. And every wannabe fascist authoritarian in Europe understands that when you say George Soros, their supporters here Jew Jewish conspiracy. Right, that is the biggest dog so, whistle. I so mean, I don't have I'm I'm not going to criticize George Soros for one giving money away to good causes and two being Jewish. Right. Um, I, 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 when, when, look, I'm, and so, so I'm glad he's doing it, you know, um, and, and pe- people are going to be anti-Semites no matter what. Right. So, so if George Soros gave away $220,000, which would be a lot less, by the way, it would still be nice, but it'd still be, it'd be a lot less. There would still be anti-Semitic memes about that about him. They would still be calling the Black Lives Matter some, you know, on the far right, some Jewish controlled uh, thing. So, so. Good for George Soros. Maybe next, I hope he gets another two hundred million. And I hope some of these other billionaires, including those that don't happen to be Jewish, right? I mean, there was this flyer that went out that that um, from the Republican uh, Trump campaign that blamed the the radical left and, and funders like Steyer, Bloomberg. We talked about some right. So and Soros, right? All of whom are Jewish. And and when I read when I hear that, it makes me kind of proud to be a Jew. At least I mean I mean I'm not a billionaire Jew. But at least some of the billionaire Jews are putting their money in the right place. Yeah. I, 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 want, I challenge three Gentile billionaires. I don't know who they are, but there's got to be some to put more money into this than George Soros. Right. That would be nice, too. George Soros isn't saying I'm the only person funding this. Which is why I don't understand why people are screaming, like, defund George Soros and defund the Open Society. and defund, Because there's no other— Because the Open Society Institute does really good work. And for years—I mean, they've been working on mass incarceration— and kind of sentencing issues around drugs for 20 years or more. They do good work. Now, I don't always agree with everything they do. I don't always agree with their style. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I think over the years, I've probably received one or two small grants from them. I know I've spoken at the Open Society Institute. I have friends who work there. So it's, and, and I've also worked closely with them in other countries. Generally speaking, they do really good work. And if George Soros wants to put $200 million in, that's great. Let's find more people to put $200 million. It's not going to be you or me. It's Even definitely not going to be me. I'm just going to sit here Even and go. Even though we're Jews, but you know, I'm going to take my Jewish Twitter fingers and I'm going to go down the George Soros Wayfair connection down that rabbit hole because that child sex trafficking conspiracy theory. And George Soros is not a child sex trafficker, right? Well, Wayfair, Wayfair may be uh, involved in the child sex trafficking trade. If you go down that rabbit hole of their what has been taken down from their website in terms of these. What is Wayfair? Wayfair is that furniture company. Wayfair, you know, whatever they do, they shop online. You need to. I'm I'm deep into a True Anon podcast where they are tying these threads together between these conspiracy theories and and I mean Israel, the Mossad, dark money, the dark web, Wayfair, sex trafficking, Jelaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein. Political scientist, professor. I don't really understand all this. I think, but I think if you have some time, I I think you should take a dip into the pool that is the True Anon podcast. I think it's definitely. An interesting perspective from two people who have a very great way of like story- storytelling, and I put stories in quotes because a lot of it is 
I don't know if it's stories or not. I, you know, at some point, you don't know what to, you hear things that do make sense and you don't know what to believe because you can follow those threads and you can go down those rabbit holes and then you're like, wow, Jelaine Maxwell's dad or grandfather was an, was an Israel Mossad agent who was involved in, like, black bagging people and bringing them back to Israel to stand trial and, 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 and suddenly he falls off a yacht and dies and like there's it's so trippy and so bizarre that that you're almost like okay you know there's a whole alternate government work is there an alternate government no. working like are there we, we barely have this government working. well this government is definitely not working but I am I do like I have like the whole I'm not talking Illuminati but I'm talking like Bilderberg and all of these rich billionaire millionaire people that I mean, meet on this island and like you know look, there's no question that the billionaire class um wields enormous power I'm obsessed there's, with this now there's no question also that in the last 20 years or so we've kind of elevated these people right I mean every time you know I mean I mean there was it, five years ago people thought Mark Zuckerberg was going to save us right yeah people well. on the left thought Mark Zuckerberg was going to save us now he hasn't done that but the point is this, you know, when as when the tech revolution happened, all the money started pouring in. We began elevating these people. Many billionaires just kind of like, like Herman Cain is not a billionaire, right? But but Herman Cain just like figured out how to sell pizza a little cheaper and made a lot of money, right? These aren't people with with broad intellects. But you know, as as Tevia says, when they're rich, when you're rich, they think that you they think you really know, and we elevate them too much. So so, but it is true that they wield enormous power, particularly in a country like this where where we don't tax people. So we don't have the kind of federal spending on programs, so we turn it over to the billionaires, right? So so three billionaires get together and they decide, we're gonna start a, a series of charter schools, right? As opposed to other countries where they would tax those billionaires and just have good public schools. Right. That's just one example, but that spreads into so much of our policy arena that people like George Soros, who is generally a positive force, have much more power than they would in other countries, right? And people like the Mercers, right? Good. Speaking of Herman Cain, though, I'm curious: is what has happened to him? Is he? Is, I don't know. Is he out of the? I mean, that tweet came and went. Like it's like in the He's hospital. Not a young guy. Not a young guy, but all of a sudden, like, was pictured like huddled together at the Trump death cult rally in Oklahoma, and then right. you don't hear about him anymore. All you know, and and who he was sitting next to. Nobody talked about. Any I mean, of those people? I hope he's all right. Just Do you? I don't. Uh, sorry, I'm way. You're you're way. We had this discussion, and you're still a bigger person than me because I'm done giving any fucks about any politicians or people well, th- I, that I don't wear masks and get sick and could potentially die. Sorry, but they get other people sick. That's the problem. They do, but I mean, then I still I don't. Uh, sorry, I don't have any. Woman, this woman, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend, just take a minute and repeat that sentence in your head. Um, but and the ex-wife of Gavin Newsom. The ex-wife of Gavin Newsom, right. And Shockingly. Gavin Newsom, she got divorced because Newsom was having an affair with, his, with the wife of his chief of staff. He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, Kimberly Guilfoyle, I don't really care if Kimberly Guilfoyle has COVID, has, has COVID, right? I do care that she's spreading it to other people, not just to the Trump family, right? I mean, the problem is that anybody who's out, if you go to that death cult rally and you get it, you might spread it to other Trump MAGA people, but you also spread it to other people. Right. So this this thing, you know, so so anyone who has it is a danger to everybody. Correct, which is level. why I give less. I hear you. I'm with you on that point a thousand percent, which is why I give less fucks. I think it's a horrible thing. I think they should just like, they should Darwin themselves quicker because this I way mean, they have some, less less chance some, of getting people there's sick. There's some person in America, there's many people, Americans today sitting in some senior facility who have COVID. And we don't know how they got it. Maybe they got it from from somebody who was visiting another another person there. Maybe it, it they went out for a walk one day and got it. I don't know, but they have it. And and, and I feel a lot 
worse for that person than I do for Herman Cain or Kimberly Guilford. That person who wasn't involved in a disinformation campaign aimed at killing Americans. Right? So, I mean, I, in my hierarchy of sympathy, it's not very high. Right. Uh, I also, frankly, I want these people to live long enough to face uh, justice and, uh, and, and, to, and to suffer a little bit. So, um, I'm do not you really honestly think they're going to ever face an ounce of justice. Well, Kimberly Guilfoyle isn't because she's too far removed from this. But, she's not, but Herman Cain isn't going to face shit. No, no, no. And not, like, no, no. Cain, these are peripheral people, but Donald Trump Jr. might. Well, Donald Trump Jr. might only because of what the SDNY is going to dig up and how Cy Vance pursues his all of this tax return shit and all of the illegal funds and the tax scam and the tax and evasion. The illegal, and, and real estate fraud. Don't yeah, forget. real estate fraud. But you know what they already... I mean, does it get much worse than stealing from a kid's charity for kids with cancer? and steal, I mean, give me a fucking break. I mean, I mean, you're talking about morally? I, I, no. No, but, morally and legally. No, yes, legally, legally, when you, when you have someone like Don Trump Jr. or Ivanka or the president... And Eric, who's an idiot, but in with that, but who, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, okay, but to call someone an idiot in the Trump family, like, like, like that's really saying something, right? <laughs> but, but, but in any case, all of these people are career criminals, lifetime criminals, right? So if you are a prosecutor, you get them not on their worst crime, but on what you on, on the thing for which you have the most evidence, right? So, and and I'm not a prosecutor, and I don't have access to the evidence. That's in Cy Vance's hands. It's in uh, Tish James's hands, and up in you know in Albany, who's, who's the attorney general. Um, and so I, I don't know. But get them on what you can. I don't care why they sit in jail. I just want them to sit in jail once this is all said and done. And if they get them on real estate fraud or tax evasion or, um, you know, sexual assault, I don't care what it is. I just want them. That's where I want. That'll them be now. January twenty second. I'm guessing. Yeah, give it some time. Or give it some time. Or or after, so that no, so that he can't pardon his entire family. Like you gotta. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we. This is a longer discussion, and I want to write something about this a little bit, but, but. The question of transitional justice and or truth and reconciliation, these are very real questions that, that, are, that, that are going to need to be addressed for America to move forward beyond this dalliance with authoritarians. And so that's a longer process. But does it ever happen? That's, that's... It needs to. Will it? I don't know, but it needs to. But in the meantime, here we are. And, he can't, and, and, and here we are in, in, I mean, the news is just, it just comes and goes in a, in a blur at this point. The fact that Fauci is now at the White, meeting at the White House after it's come out that he's been completely sidelined and hasn't met with Trump and, and, the, and the whole coronavirus task force, which what is the point of even having a I mean, fucking I, task force? I am fascinated. So, uh, um, I, you know, the, the, the thing about the Trump administration, going back to 2015 when they were not getting off, is that as a, as a person who, like, observes politics, as an ordinary citizen, you say, your first instinct is, oh, this is just the worst it could you, 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 you see it for what it is, and then you backtrack a little bit, and you say, it can't possibly be that bad. And then you study more, and you say, no, it's worse than I initially thought. And, and, and that's the dynamic, but it's a very kind of counterintuitive dynamic. And, and we see this with regards to COVID, where it is very clear now that, they, that this, is, this is their Jonestown. This is... They're forcing their supporters at gunpoint to drink the flavoring. Twenty-seven percent of Americans trust Donald Trump more than Fauci, right? On on COVID, right? Related issues. Those twenty-seven percent are being told to kill themselves and to kill others. I mean, in, in plain English. Um, and and it is not just that they're t- being told not to wear masks, which we all need to wear masks when we go outside. But it's more than that. It is the core because. 
the reason you need to, the only reason that you need to wear a mask, that you should think that you should wear a mask is if you believe COVID is real, right? But the thing is, COVID is real, so you need to wear a mask, right? Right. But if you don't believe that, that's the only excuse for not wearing a mask, if you believe the lie that it's not real. Or if you believe, or if you believe Chuck Woolery's tweets that Donald Trump retweets. Well, that's the point. That's the exact point, right? Chuck Woolery spelled it out and Donald Trump said yes, right? That's the point. So, um, so that if you're not wearing a mask, it's because you believe there's no such thing as COVID. And the person who has been saying that for six months is the president. And the effect of saying that is you kill people. Correct. And if you, if you or I go outside and say that, no one cares because we're just kind of ordinary people. But if the president uses his bully pulpit and has more access to real information than any of us, if he chooses to listen to it, to tell people this is a lie, he is killing people. Now, I am speaking as a political analyst, a political scientist, and a historian a little bit, not as a lawyer, right? But what this, what I'm thinking today as I'm trying to kind of make it through the day here and work on a book that has nothing to do with Donald Trump is that – there has to be a justice process that gets at the fact that while you can't, you could never convict Trump for murder, he has committed crimes against humanity at this point. A hundred percent. And that is a question for, for legal minds, but it's also a question for political scientists because we have to think about institutions that, one, make sure this never happened again. And, 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 and one, A, the way you make sure you never this never happened again is you don't let this guy get off scot-free. He is starting. It's one thing to have a disinformation campaign to lie about taxes like Reagan did. He has a disinformation campaign aimed at killing American people. Killing the American people is, is a feature, not a bug. And if you don't believe that, to go back to a story that is now ancient news because it's two weeks ago, <laughs> the, the Russian bounties. Right? Which he has said nothing about. Which he has said nothing about because he thinks it's okay. Because he doesn't want to upset uh, his, his, his boss, right? But that is also, that's just, that's killing American soldiers. But that part of the bigger prospect, I mean, you know, I go back to what my friend Zed said, who was briefly a guest on the podcast, what's Trump going to run on? Death and depression, right? But it's not just death, it's murder. But but I what I don't understand, yes, I agree with everything you said. It's murder in the colloquial, not the legal sense. Right, but still, the, the point is you would think that, like, even he would understand that if people continue to die at the rate they're dying, like, let's look at Florida and Arizona and Texas— no economy is ever coming back. You can't have the economy come That's back right. while that people right. are continuing to die. That is right. But the thing is this. So I'm an, I, I even know that, and I suck at economy. Economics. A rational person would say that what we have to do is, is go full out to address the pandemic. Once we begin to curb the pandemic, we can begin to rebuild the economy, right? So last week... Uh, Trump tweeted something, and it's bizarre that we only speak about the president in terms of what he tweets, but that's what he does all day is watch Fox News and tweet. It's nice to play golf. It's, not, it's but, actually also not even him. It's like Stephen Miller and, whoever, right. and Brad Pascal and whoever's sitting next to him. All these other countries are going back to work, or back to school. Why aren't we? And the answer is because they took measures three months ago that are now paying off. Not all of them. Some of them. Right. Germany. I mean, Germany, okay. Look at Israel. I, I mean, Taiwan, yeah. Sweden, yeah. Right? Sweden's having some problems, too. But there were measures that he could have taken. Trump's, but but what Trump believes now is that the only is that if you tell Trump that the only way to rebuild the economy is to stop COVID, his reaction is COVID isn't real. 
They need to and stick him in an ICU room, and they need to stick him somewhere and let him watch someone. Actually, this is terrible. But they need to let him watch somebody die from COVID, like gasping I, on an intubator to take their on a ventilator that's been intubated to take their last breath, who's completely alone with no family you know and Donald no Trump friends. Would do if you, did that? you know what Donald Trump would I'm say afraid if you did that? to even think what he would do. He would do. say, one, it looks just like the flu, like he knows what the fucking flu looks like, and two, I like people who don't die. Donald Trump will not believe this is real until he gets it or one of the four or five people he cares about get it. Or even will he then, I mean, he is such a fucking sociopath, maybe that won't even matter. Like, maybe that won't even make a difference. Maybe not, but that's all, that that, that might, nothing else will. And and so we are up against, we are racing against this, this clock here where essentially our goal is, and I want to mention one more point to get back to this in a second. But, Go ahead. But our goal here is to minimize the damage Trump can do and then ensure that Biden wins uh, big and takes the Senate with him and that, we, and that he's allowed to become president. And, 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 and between now and then, we have to minimize the damage Trump can do. But I want to raise something else here. The economy is in bad shape, and it's not going to get much better until we address this. It will, in fact, get worse, right? I mean, I just ran into a friend who I hadn't seen in a while because I don't fucking go out anywhere. He lives in the neighborhood. He was walking on my block with his dog, and I was sitting on my stoop because that's, like, my social thing now. And that's my, so that's my fresh air. That's my whole life. I was sitting on my stoop, and I kind of – he saw me. He was wearing a mask. and didn't 100% recognize him because he was you know, walking outside. But I kind of flagged him. We waved. He came over. He chatted. And he – good old, old, old friend. And he's – he and his husband are going through some, some really rough times economically. And Which leads to rough times psychologically, emotionally, and mentally. Yeah. Which and is these are guys who who worked hard. They're older than me. They worked hard, and and I see that. And I just give an example. But I talk to you know other friends of mine all the time. And these are people who are. I mean, and I'm a middle class guy. Like these people who have a little bit of a cushion, but they're very concerned. And they're working class people who are much more concerned and much and it's harder. The way we're going to address this is by radically rethinking social welfare policy in the United States. And it is going to, at least temporarily, but for a while, it ha- either we go down some kind of UBI, universal basic income, of some kind for a while, or we're, well, this Black Lives Matter movement is going to grow, it's going to expand, and it's going to get more violent. Because when you get 30% unemployment, and I'm not, I'm not talking about African-Americans, I'm talking about people, Americans of all races, when you get that level of unemployment, it is very hard to keep violence at bay because people are desperate. So one Are you talking like that, like bank robberies or like ro- what the I mean I'm not talking about bank robberies. How much I'm talking I don't know because it's unprecedented really in America. But I think to assume I mean, you know, when I look and I haven't been to demonstrations in a while because as you know I can't even walk now. But but what I've seen were very, very peaceful. And the reports I've seen, despite the kind of, you know, right wing nonsense, have been there for the most part very peaceful. Right, but but we also have seen violence. We've seen people take arms against their government. Right, people marching on state capitals in places like Michigan with heavy uh, weaponry. Right, that's not a peaceful gesture. Right, we've seen those are people though that are pissed about having their liberties and their freedoms taken away. No, those are angry white people. Right, which I'm saying, which are angry white people. Right, right. But I want to be clear, of course. But but the point is. That's a violent act. And I promise you that if those people, if their small businesses were still thriving, if they still had their, their, their job, whatever their job was, they'd be less inclined to listen to their populist and fascistic leader now, right, who's, who's Trump. So, so this level of economic panic 
which is growing, makes everybody, regardless of whether you're white, African-American, on the left, on the right, live in the south, the north, the city, whatever, more, it makes for a more volatile situation. So the way you, the way you take the air out of that is you help people. That's a crazy idea. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what but a novel concept. you take the air out of that. And I, there are people, if Joe Biden wins, that he's going to be pushed to help people in a way that a year ago he couldn't have imagined. And Donald Trump wants to stop that because the, his rich friends don't want that to happen. And, and that is another, we are racing against this clock. I mean, in my view, the, and I'm not exaggerating, I think the future of, of the state, the American Republic, America, the country that we know as the USA and that we recognize for better or for worse as the USA, is at stake in this election. And the following has to happen. Biden has to win. Democrats have to win back the Senate. Because if they don't win back the Senate, all he does is get into stupid, like, you know, he just gets trolled by Ted Cruz on, on, on Twitter. Who also I mean, refused to wear a mask, who was photographed not wearing a mask Cruz on a fucking idiot. plane. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying? He gets nothing done. Cruz, uh, excuse me, Biden wins. Democrats take control of the Senate. And he acts very quickly. That's what has to happen to save the country on a whole range of issues. But, and, and I, I just wrote a piece about this uh, today. It'll be up tomorrow on the European interest. You can see it on my site now. And it's called America's Pre-Existing Conditions because the pre-existing conditions of racism, of inadequate healthcare, of wealth inequality have made us as a country uniquely vulnerable to the devastation of COVID. And President Biden, if we get to that point, must come in day one, hour one, and begin to address not just the immediate damage of COVID, but those pre-existing conditions. I think Biden will have to do it. And I think he will do it because the Democrats in the House and the Senate will push him. But if Trump won, if he gets reelected, forget it, Charlie. But also, if between now and January of next year, he's still in office. That's six months from now. And he can do tremendous damage. It's a lot. I to, it's it, a long time. And it's what too we long. as citizens have to do, both as ordinary citizens like those of us, I mean, I'm temporarily not able-bodied, but if I were, who are out there on the streets, who are trying to limit the damage that Trump can do, so I continue to support them even though I can't be out there, but also our representatives in Congress and state legislatures, governors, I won't say mayors because I live in New York, um, but but they also have to stop, have to continue to limit that damage. Which hopefully they will, because otherwise I agree, like there's just no, there's just no way out. And six months is a long time. And in the interim, what I mean, I think it, I always sit here and think, what do we do? Like, what can we do to stop it? Like, just I think just let him play more golf. I think he should just go golfing all the fucking time. Yeah, I mean, what we and, can and, do is what we can do is we can go out there on the streets. We can wear our masks. Right. So at least we don't contribute to the spread of it. We can take good, sensible, precautionary public health uh, precautions. But we're still affected and, by all the assholes that don't wear the masks. I, what frustrates me when you say I we do that. But yet we are still hampered and limited by all of oh. these assholes that refuse to, like, I mean, just get in fucking line, online, I mean, in get, line, I however mean, you be, want. To begin to th- – when you take a step back and think, think this all through, it's just – it is – I mean, on a personal, on a familial, it is just so overwhelming and, frankly, depressing, you know, that I really don't want to – I don't want to um, go down that road. I hear you. All, I mean, I think about my kids, you know, I think about – I mean – uh, I heard a uh, r- reporter who had, I think I told you this, who had interviewed a, uh, a, a professor of medicine from Yale who studies this stuff. And the professor said, just about going back to college, not, not K-12, but colleges and universities. And he said, the problem is 
that dormitories are like cruise ships on land. Yeah. In terms of the spread of COVID. Well, you know, I got one, one son who is, I know he's down the list for housing at, at his school for next year, which he's looking forward to going, but he's kind of, I would much rather him take classes online and scream profanities at me every morning. Um, right. Then, then go and get COVID. I think it's a big you know? question with schools. I think parents are faced with horrible, gut-wrenching, like, decisions that they have to make. And I'm, yeah. t- like, Kate, for, for any kid, for any kid, you, I mean, I mean even a parent, if you're, if, even if you're a parent and you think about your older child, like, going back to work. Like, what environment are they going to go back to work in? Like, how are they going to go back to work? How are they going to get to work? I mean, there's a million questions. I mean, no matter where you are as a, as a person in American right. society, you're faced with a set of challenges. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm my, you know, I live in Manhattan, so my older son doesn't have his driver's license yet, but I'm really urging him to get it because I think maybe we should drive to California in October. Or out of the country. <laughs> no, to visit my mom. Or into Canada, which my we mother still get. Has, my mother only has... Um, one living child and two grandchildren. She hasn't seen any of them since January. I, it's it's ridiculous. I, I, so it's, so it's we tough. might drive drive to California to see my mom. You know, with with a bunch of what do you call that spray to spray down any hotel room we go to and hope for the best, and then stay not stay in her house but stay in like a little tiny like literally my mother's basement. <laughs> you but know. you want to know that so you have to at this you have to do what you have to do not only to that's emotionally and mentally important also because you can never live with the regret of I should have gone I should have I was 80 years old there's a so lot of these challenges there's a lot of these challenges and I think I that that's the that is the frustration and that so, is so, part so many of us many of us ordinary Americans are are psychologically kind of dragged down by this right and it is it is it is but we have to work through that because the political imperative we are at such a key moment I mean you know if, if Trump I mean I'm I'm old now my kids are not and and you know I mean I'm having like like non I'm having reasonably serious conversations about what country if Trump gets reelected now I'm probably not going to leave the United States but there's you options have, at least have that plan. because because the the crackdowns on what Trump perceives as enemies, the crackdowns on people who, I don't know, write columns and have podcasts that are highly critical of Trump. The, I mean, he, you know, university professors. I teach political science, right? It's very hard to teach political science. I teach about democracy and not talk about democratic rollback, right? I mean, I, 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 uh, I tell my students on day one, that we're going to live in reality here, so we're going to talk about democratic rollback. Now, now somebody could, you know, report that up the line to some Republican in Columbia. They would laugh at that. But oh, but, I thought you were going to say report that up the line and would put you on like some watch list, and then you never know. No, like they could you report know. it to the Attorney General or something in the next if, if he gets reelected. But but I don't care. But I'm saying there are people younger than me who do care, right? So the crackdowns on free speech and free assembly could get much tighter, right? In coming. If he gets reelected, and that would permanently damage the United States, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a additionally beyond everything else. So, so we're at a, uh, you know, the the so 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 I, I want to be clear here because I'm going to make my official presidential endorsement on your podcast. Okay. <laughs> Woo! Should I get a drum roll? Go ahead. Because I know that your listeners probably can't figure out if I'm going to vote to reelect Trump, but after much thought, I'm I'm uh, much thought meaning I don't know. I figured this out when the polls closed on November 2016. 
I will be supporting uh, Joe Biden, but I'm joking. I'm, of course, I'm supporting Joe Biden, but it is it is really imperative. And and I just want to say what I say. I said on this podcast before. You are either supporting Biden or you are uh, wearing a MAGA cap. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. Which is which is why we have this discussion, which is so, so serious. And then all I can think about, and I know you're going to talk about this, and we're all going to come to your forum on the talk that you're giving about sports, but it really enrages me that sports thinks that it has a fucking chance to even come back and put all of these other people's lives at risk because people want to knock a ball around. I am all for sports. I am a sports junkie. I grew up playing sports. I watch sports. I'm obsessed with sports. I I think sports are a great teaching tool and a a great life skill tool and helped me get into college because I didn't have someone named Joe Shapiro take my SATs for me. So... Did you take his SATs for me? Thank God for sports or I wouldn't have gotten into school. But, I mean, at Uh, what point you're like... Like, you got to stop. Like, I, I know it's parenthetically, important, but... Parenthetically, I, I want to say thank God for the SATs, which I know are very... I fucking hate standardized testing. Uh, Go but, ahead. But when I was growing up, there was a... a, a I went to public school uh, for college, and, and in my state, California, there was, you know, the, the state published the, the, how you could get in, and my grades were simply not good enough to get into the University of California, which is this very good public school system. For higher, higher ed, so I. Uh, but they had if you get this score on the SAT, you can go to you. You, you were guaranteed to go to UC. So my mom said, "You better get that score." <laughs> I know, but then you had awesome. you had all your tutors. If you weren't lucky, oh, I I didn't have any tutors either. I couldn't sit still for ten minutes. But the point is, like, I just. Oh, I could always. I, it was the one thing I couldn't. I, I hated school, but I could do that, so I got it. But anyway, the the point about I mean, I read somewhere that uh, I mean. I love sports, but it's too fucking soon. It's too and, soon. And, and, it is, and it is also straining resources, right? The, the state of Arizona is going, you know, this pandemic is running rampant there. There are two teams in Texas, the Astros and the Rangers. I'm talking about baseball. Right. Um, so, but, but to, to play in a, for the Diamondbacks, the Arizona team, they've got to be frequently tested. That's the new protocol. Well, there are a lot of people in Arizona who need to be tested. Uh, amen. Right. I, the same thing in Texas. Three teams in Southern California. The Bay Area is a little bit better off, but three teams in Southern California. There's two teams in the state of Florida. This strains resources, and it is not. And as much as look, opening night, I will say, uh, it looks like it's going to be Max Scherzer uh, against Garrett Cole in Washington. Now that is, that's a great game. From a baseball perspective, the Yankees and the Nationals, that's a great game from a baseball perspective. I, I, I in will, front of I no fans, with no, no fans. energy, with no crowd. But, but I, I, on the one hand, I'm looking forward to it. On the other hand, I don't, like, I don't know if I'll actually be able to enjoy it. And, Have you and tried so, to watch the Japanese baseball on ESPN? Have you Korean, tried? Right? Korean, sorry. I mean, no, because I mean, this whole, I'm not going to spoil the whole baseball. I know, you, but, I know, but, but I'm, I don't. I get my baseball fix other ways. I read old baseball books. I look at old baseball on YouTube. I don't need. I'm talking about more the process behind the scenes, the keeping everybody in the bubble, the the whole yeah, it's not, the whole no testing bubble. situation. It's not possible, and neither is neither is the NBA idea. That's not possible. Correct, and ne- right, and and the whole and and and, and the whole NFL thing, and, and and training camps, and I get the athletic mentality. I still have it. I'm still mental. I still go out and run, no matter how hurt I am and beat up I am. And you you consistently that is inbred in you. That is in your DNA. If you've played any sports. At any point in your life, you do not stop. 
until you are like literally drilled into the ground. You will continue to keep going. You want to play. You want to run. You want to shoot. You want to practice. But, but the world you, is changing. I mean, you know. which is what my point is. The priorities have changed, and even and and forget all of that. The resources that you were talking about. They're not even all that fucking accurate. Like, even athletes that are getting tested with the best resources on the planet, the best medical doctors, the best testing, the best training facilities, the cleanest cleaning supplies, everything that you need, lunch delivered to your door, the knock and run. Like, somebody that has to, like, literally run up and down every flight in a hotel with your fucking food, knock on your door and run away. You could still test false positive or false negative. And that or, guy knocking on the door could have it and not know. You're right. So go the fuck home and 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 I am like, let's. We need to just slam the brakes no, on this I, whole I, shit I, 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 and be and, and done. Also, I mean, I sorry. Was, I, I participate in a. I write for a Yankees. This is probably uh, why I'm not on your panel. But go ahead. No, no. But, but come to the podcast. Uh, then we'll give you the, we'll give you information about that later. But I'm I'm on a. Uh, I'm on a. Uh, I write for a New York Yankees website. The Yankees, we write about the Yankees. And the guy who runs the website, every weekend, he sends out a question just to, for all the writers. It's like a, you know, like it's a self and a fun question. You know, what, who, what, one question was, what three players would you want to be quarantined with? Or something like that. Yeah. Early on. It's always like fun or, you know, what's your favorite World Series memory, whatever. And, and so this week he wrote, what, what, what do you think the biggest surprise of the season will be for the Yankees? And I said, for me, the biggest surprise would be if they, if they managed to finish the season. I don't think the season gets finished. You, but you think it gets? You think it's going to start? And what's going to start? What's going to? Okay, this is. I don't want to get into it too bad because I would ask this question on the on the podcast on the platform that you're going to do the the, social, the baseball thing. What stops it? How many people have to get sick and die before they stop? Well, I mean, playing? let's just talk about the Yankees since um, we're a New York based podcast. Two Yankees already have tested positive. Do you know this? No, I know that the catcher from an LA team or something tested positive. Yeah. Well, well, two Yankees, Araldis Chapman, who was the closer, and DJ LeMay, who, who is their great player, is a star second baseman, right? Two of probably their 15 most important players. That already, like, like if that happens to every team, right? And, but, then, but then here's another way to look at it. If 5% of the players test positive and can't play at any time, maybe you can manage that. But they won't be randomly distributed. What happens when eight players on a team test positive? What happens when the whole starting lineup tests positive? What happens when things get so bad in Houston or Phoenix or Miami that they can't play? But look, the Giants, which are my other team, uh, they're, you know, Buster Posey, who's no longer their best player, but was for a long time, um, and is a beloved player. He was the starting catcher and cleanup hitter on three, on three World Series winning teams, and has made about $140 million playing Major League Baseball. He's and, and apparently has not squandered it. I don't know how you would squander that much money, but he's used it well. $140 million. I mean, it's not George Soros money, but it's, it's a lot of money. It's generational wealth. And he's got uh, two young children. They adopted two more, various young children. And he said, I'm not playing. Good I'm for him. Playing. Now, because he plays for the Giants, the local media is very progressive. Like, this is great. This is setting a good example. We wish you luck, Buster. You know, uh, he's beloved. And, but he and didn't retire. He's just not playing right now. He's not getting the money, though. Now, will they keep him? What's interesting is, do they, do they keep him? Is that is that negating his contract? Like, what what happens there? Well, you know, it all depends on the player, right? Now, Buster Posey, he could retire anyway. He's I don't know if he'll make the Hall of Fame, but he'll get some votes. I mean, he's that good, right? Right. I mean, I know who he is, but I'm and I'm saying from a contractual, like, it's very interesting that he's like, the, the, I'm not going to play. Like, are you then negating saying, hey, I'm off the team, or give somebody no. else my spot, or give somebody else my spot for the year? 
I won't get paid, but if my but but I'll waive whatever I'm supposed to get paid this year. And I think he's on contract for next year as well, so he just comes back next year. Oh, okay. But but Posey doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to prove himself, right? Because he's on the downward slope of his career. But I think you'll get more players looking like that. There was another guy. I think we talked about this. Nick Markakis. Did we talk about this last time? I don't think so. Nick Markakis plays with the Braves. Now, Freddie Freeman, who's the first baseman for the Braves, is also a very good player. Markakis He's the hugger. Like, Freddie Freeman's the hugger, right? Well, I, I, Freddie Freeman sounds like one of the fabulous furry freak brothers, but he's the first baseman for the Braves. He hugs a lot. He hugs everybody. Yes, I, you know, I, I think I that's what he was known for, but go ahead. Okay, so, so Freddie Freeman got, got COVID. And I didn't he, know and, that. And, and Markakis said that he was sitting it out. And they said, why? Because I talked to Freddie Freeman on the phone, and he sounded miserable. I don't want to get that. It was very huge. Now, Markakis is also an older guy. So, I mean, older in baseball terms, he's mid-30s, right. not 70, but he's an older player. So the more of that, like, what kind of season is this, right? So so you say, okay, we'll just be silly, have fun with it, but it's... It's, it's not fun. I, I nothing think is fun, silly or fun right Yeah, now. nothing is silly or fun, and I think it's hard for me. I, look, I love sports, and I understand. The money infuriates me, and I understand how it works, and I know there's billions of dollars. I go through this all the time with international football, a.k.a. soccer, where people are paid $500 million dollars, you know, in, in transfer fees and write-offs, and they can, like, right. literally... The money is just insane. I just I just don't think that you can... I know people want an outlet, and I'm not saying that anybody should be denied any type of joy in their life, but I think while people are continuing to die and there are no resources, there... I, I don't have the right to tell anybody how to spend their money, and this is the struggle. Like, I don't have anybody... You know, I, who am I to tell somebody, hey, stop this, this isn't right. Doctors are still, like, you know hysterically crying in their cars after working a 24-hour shift in the emergency room I mean, and I you're going to whack a ball around. Like, I don't... I, I, I just mean, think that it doesn't... I mean, I don't know anyone who's really excited about the season. Now, definitely my... For, my the athletes are excited friends. about it, I'm guessing. Who are? The athletes that are playing, I guess. Some of them are. Some? Some of them are. I'm sure they're concerned. But I just don't see, like, there's not... Because so much is missing right now from life. And yeah. everything that you do, if you want to go see, if I go see my mother, it's not without great risk, right? I mean, so, so because everything, I mean, if you can't even like sit down with three friends and go out to dinner, you can't even take the subway down to Chinatown and eat a bowl of noodles with an old friend, right? right? You can't do that. Take Which I would bus, love to whatever. do, but go ahead. What'd you say? I said I would love to do that, but go ahead. Right, but you can't. So that with everything missing, you know, baseball's just one of the many things. It's not, it's not at the top when those very, very basic things are missing from our lives as well. I agree, and I think you need to save that point. I'm going to make a note of that for, for your... Now, go plug your uh, promo okay, speech because so we're over time. We're over your yeah, so length of time. So July 22nd, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, I will be joined by legendary sports writers Craig Calcaterra and Stephen Goldman, as well as Harvard scholar Tova Wang and Columbia historian Frank Garidi for the second in our baseball and pandemic uh, Zoom panel discussion series called Say It Ain't Contagious Part 2 and this one is titled are, this is, Say It Ain't Contagious the series this is Part 2 are we really doing this and my um, if you would like to go the event is free so you can't beat the price and for but you must email so I can so make sure you get the uh, link so email RSVP at Lincoln at LincolnMitchell.com and you know thank you for putting the link in I, was, I just tagged everyone and ran out of space yeah. in the tweet and it was it was good that you put the link in and I'll go back and you can link it or I could link it and and we'll make sure to tag everybody up so that everybody can go and I think it's going to be 
an interesting discussion, and I'll try to limit my profanity when I uh, ask my questions. But well, uh, Tova's the moderator, so she can always mute you. But 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 I think you should let her know that, that you're the ranting with Randy. Uh, I don't want. Listen, I'm not trying to like step on anybody's. I'm no, not no, trying no. to come in there like that. I do think it's a fascinating discussion, and clearly you know that I have views about that. And, and maybe a, it's a really great panel with a lot of real. I mean, these are really smart people. Right, and really. I want to hear what also they have to say in addition to what you have to say because I think it, it's a discussion worth having because I think. You know, like you said, you can't sit around and, like, be miserable all day, 24 hours a day, after you've done your one or two socially distant walks outside. I get it. You need an outlet. You need, you need to see sports. There's only so many things you can watch on Netflix. There's only so many, you know, times you can, like, clean your apartment or your house or whatever you're doing. Like, you need something else to do. But I just don't personally think that that's really the right thing to do. But that's just me, and we can. I'm interested to hear what other people have to say about it. And I will be there, and I will put the link out. And uh, in the meantime, you're, we expect your return back to the Hill where you can help me continue to mask shame people who... Friday morning. That's my goal. Okay. We'll be there Friday morning. I'm going to link this up. We just made it under an hour, which is perfect. Don't be mad. Right. We still did it. All right, Linky, hang in there. We're here. We'll rant tomorrow if you need to. All right. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. bye. All right, so in order to sum this up in a quick and suffice, concise manner, go to LincolnMitchell.com, go to Lincoln Mitchell on the Twitter, go to Lincoln A. Mitchell on the Instagram for the VIP tickets to the July 22nd Zoom panel discussion on baseball and pseudo sports. Uh, you don't necessarily have to follow baseball. Uh, to be a part of that VIP uh, watch party, uh, I will be there, and then I will be dipping out to the coronavirus live dj jam on my instagram at doodleheads and uh you can follow me on the twitter at small pencil club uh both events always free always fun always guaranteed to bring uh the good people together and speaking of good people be a good person wash your hands wear a mask check on your people stay the fuck home if you don't really need to go anywhere don't fucking go i know it sucks but you know it's 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 better. It's better for you. It's better for society. It's better for... It, it's the better way forward. I don't know. Is it the better way forward? Here we go again. All I know is here we sit. Uh, if you have any thoughts, feelings while you're sitting, driving, listening to this, walking, running, let me know because we can always talk about Wayfair, the Clinton Initiative, the Deep State... Uh, Israel's Mossad, Blackwater, pulling the thread, Wayfair cabinetry, uh, sex tra child sex trafficking, will Jelaine Maxwell get Jeffrey Epstein or not? She keeps apparently getting moved from cell to cell so that nobody knows actually where she is and when she's there. I mean, shit is bonkers. We didn't, we didn't talk about Roger Stone in the pardon. We didn't talk about the commutation. Sorry, it wasn't a pardon. Uh, you know where to find me for your thoughts and feelings, and we all have them, so please feel free to share them. If you would like to come on the podcast, the invitation is open anytime. Uh, not any place because nobody's going anywhere. Uh, so stay home. Hit me up. We'll make it happen. Uh, the more the merrier. And uh, until the next time, like I said, Wear a mask, wash your hands, check on your people, be a good fucking human being and just do the right thing. It's really not that difficult. And hey, believe science. Shocker, it works. All right, peace and hair grease.